This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. I jumped on that so quick, I almost cut off the announcer guy. <laughs> I, was, I was eager to go on this uh, Monday morning. It's going to be a great show then. Yeah, I get that announcer out of there. I got things to say. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio. Dwight Falcon, Grand Turgeon with you here today on this uh, Monday. And a uh, beautiful day. We have, we have a great week coming up weather-wise. It's going to be in the... 60s, 50s and 60s and plenty of sunshine. Some parts of the country are getting blasted by snow. Uh, Buffalo <laughs> got blasted by snow yesterday. They had a football game up there, the Bills and the Colts. And uh, there's lots of, uh, of course, video on and some people watch the game. And then just people tweeting, you know, videos and things. You can't see, you couldn't see uh, I don't know. I think the the one picture that I saw was from like close close up on the field. They could only see to about the twenty yard line. They couldn't see beyond that. So it was a total whiteout. Some people said the worst weather they've ever seen in Buffalo. That tells you something. Yeah, it was really interesting watching that game. Like certain certain plays, they couldn't give you the ideal camera angle because it was totally just blacked out with the blizzard. You couldn't see anywhere through there. Obviously, the visibility, like you said, is probably only about twenty yards, so you can't throw the ball deep because the guy's not going to see the ball it was just really interesting even even the the ground was just covered by probably almost a foot of snow so guys were clomping through that trying to trying to run forward that's amazing and then of course you can't see where the the lines are on the field to know where the markings are but <laughs> i think those are kind of fun <laughs> there's actually a few people that went and attended it uh be, not a lot obviously because it was a blizzard but there's a picture of some people sitting there watching it and the person that tweeted the picture underneath it wrote this is the definition of insanity. <laughs> they were all bundled up watching their beloved Bills. I don't even know if they could see them, but they were there. Yeah, that's true. I I bet you they probably couldn't see a lot of what was going on in the game. If you can't see more than 20 yards, you probably are just enjoying the experience. A lot of them, during the game, it was funny. You could hear guys hooting, and then they were just throwing snow in the air. <laughs> all the fans were just wild. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was looking at some of the... Um, the video and the pictures of it, and I noticed that the Colts were wearing white uniforms, and I thought, well, that doesn't seem fair. That was cheating. That's camouflage. <laughs> like, how can, you can't even see them. <laughs> like the abominable snowman coming out of there. They needed the help, though. They're they're a pretty bad team this year. Yeah, they. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to play football a fair bit in the snow up in uh, Wisconsin, and you'd get those days where it was snowing and it was really sticky, and you'd go to throw the ball, but it was covered in snow, so it was like three times the size, <laughs> and uh, it made it challenging, but it was a lot of fun, so I see those games, it takes me back to the child, my childhood, and uh, it was always fun playing out in the snow. You'd think there'd be less injuries, but you said there were a few anyway. Yeah, I, I saw there was, the, the Bills quarterback was out in the third quarter with a concussion. I didn't see that play, sadly. I accidentally deleted the entire second half of the recording, <laughs> so I missed the whole second half of the game. Yeah, that's a bummer. you got to improve your... <laughs> technological understanding of I was distracted my wife was telling me some things and I was like listening to her and then trying to pause the recording not no. not delete it so I just totally botched the whole thing yeah they had lots of empty stadiums again that's uh they showed pictures of that so I don't know why that that particularly is if it's protesting or people just don't want to go but some tickets are low as uh oh I saw uh like eighteen dollars coming for some tickets because people just aren't going to the games where? anymore uh where was that game uh, I forget exactly, but yeah, it's the, almost worth just going however far just to get a ticket that cheap. It's che in some places <laughs> it was cheaper to get in than it was to buy a hot dog. That's incredible. So they're just trying to get people there to watch those games, but it's uh, they always put on good TV productions. You know, they look real good, but it, it is kind of hard to get get the same excitement when there's no one watching it in yeah. the stands. Yeah, I think if you're really smart about how you attend a game now, you could do it for pretty cheap. Like if you got. A ride from maybe like a mile away from the stadium up to the parking lot then you could just walk through the parking not 
parking lot, not pay the 50 or 60 bucks to park there, get a ride back to your car a mile after the game. You can avoid all the parking costs. They're selling the tickets really cheap at some places. Uh, if you avoid buying memorabilia and a ton of snacks at the game, you could just pretty much have a fun day for 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah, it's getting cheaper. I, I Sometimes they show the fixtures, and there's not hardly anybody there, and there's there'll be two or three people sitting way up at the top, I'm assuming in the seats they bought. <laughs> and uh, maybe more people are coming later, but I just think, wow, well, uh, good on them. I mean, that, that's the seat they bought. They're sitting there, even though there's no one <laughs> no one else around. You, you think you'd move down closer, but you, you always see a couple up there at the top. Yeah, when we were in Kansas City, there was a group of six of us there total going to the game, and our seats were at the very top, but there were a bunch of empty rows, which is, again, that's indicative of the 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 viewership going down the fans aren't just aren't showing up like they used to so we did all sit closer because someone insisted on it in our group but i just i get so nervous when that happens i've had a couple bad experiences where people show up late and they're just terrifying human beings and you don't want to cross them in any way and yet here i was sitting in their seats so to this day i would vastly prefer to just sit wherever i bought the seats i'm the same i'm the same way as you and uh that frustrates people (laughs) sometimes because they're like well come on move i'm like yeah but what if the guy shows up people do show up at like halftime sometimes Mm -hmm. i mean it's ridiculous how late people come but i mean it's their ticket they can do whatever they want I just don't want to be caught in their seats. You're uh, you're you're one of those uh, people. They talk about like the uh, the people in Germany in that area being very much that way. Like you're not going to cross the street unless it says cross the street. <laughs> right. I don't care if cars are coming or not. <laughs> so you you fit into that. I do that, that too. Mold. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always a couple that just go, and I'm like, well, we're not supposed to though. <laughs> uh, some headlines today uh, to start: possible pipe bomb explodes uh, below Port Authority bus terminal in New York City. Suspect in custody. A lot of media coverage on this today. Thankfully, not too serious. Could have been a lot worse. A possible pipe bomb exploded underneath the Port Authority bus terminal in New York City uh, Monday, sending commuters scrambling to evacuate during rush hour. So that was quite a scene. The explosive possibly detonated in a passageway underneath Port Authority. Port Authority is a major transportation hub one block from Times Square where buses and trains operate from the west side of Midtown Manhattan. If any of the listeners have ever been there, it's busy. It's packed. Always is. Very crowded. One suspect uh, was injured in custody. He was originally from Bangladesh, been in the United States for seven years, I say. Uh, Akaid, if I said that right, Akaid Ula, 27 years old, set off the effectively low-tech device in a subway passageway just before 7.30 a.m., and uh, he suffered burns and wounds to his body and appeared to be the only person seriously injured in the pipe bomb explosion. At least three other people suffered injuries that were not life-threatening. Um, he's ISIS is claiming him, I guess. So could have been really serious, but apparently uh, didn't work out as the bomber intended. Yeah, that's pretty scary to think about because on a lot of subways that I've been on, it doesn't seem like you have to go through a lot of security checks, and so it wouldn't be too difficult. I don't know about in New York City, but in a lot of those places, you don't have to go through three or four layers of security. But at the same time, is that really what we have to do? Do we have to put three or four layers of security around every aspect of society. That's why terrorism is so effective. It gets you paranoid. It gets you fearful. But you can't really do everything to stop every single attack. Yeah, and I suppose there's the fear of being accused of profiling as well. Yeah. That if if you see something a little suspicious, maybe you wouldn't be quite as quick to say something. 
uh, for fear of, of being accused of uh, of uh, racism or something like that or profiling. Uh, there was even a story in the headlines today about this uh, bakery that's facing problems because of that, where they caught three people of a particular race stealing, and they admitted to it. Yeah, we were stealing, and now that the local college is protesting that bakery because they say they're profiling. <laughs> <laughs> but because they caught people stealing. Wow. And so that's a whole issue. So anyway, you see things like that, and you can see why people would be a little more careful to not maybe say something when they should. And then you have situations like this that could occur, and uh, I think it's a warning that they need to pay more attention to who's going on those subways. Yeah, very true. I mean, in both of those situations, there are people actually committing crimes. They're doing bad things. So profiling, you would think, would actually stop those things from happening. And even in the case of the bakery, they already caught the people stealing. It yeah. wasn't like they checked them because of their, their skin color. It's just the political correctness, that, that just shows you how it does endanger lives. It does put people in a lot of danger because you're, you're, you're working so hard not to offend people that you don't actually catch those who are a threat. And that's the great struggle in a free and open society as the U.S. tries to be is that uh, because of the freedoms and the freedom of movement, which we all appreciate, when people are trying to cause problems, though, as well, then they have those same advantages, which is they could they could do something like this. So, uh, you know, even even with the the World Trade Center in nine eleven, uh, you know, there was years earlier there was a bomb that they tried to blow up down there. They did, and it didn't do as much damage as they hoped. But we see these things sometimes where something occurs, it doesn't quite go off the way that um, the terrorists would hope. But then sometimes it does, and it's a massive, massive problem. So, you know, New York's been hit here recently. There was that um, the guy in the car, there mm-hmm. was a truck, I guess, ran people over, and now this attempt. So uh, that's that's just – and, and the, I think the, even the mayor came out or the governor, I forget who it was, and said, well, New York's always going to be a target. We just have to be ready for that. Right. It's a huge tourist destination. It's immensely populated if you attack there, you're probably going to hit people from all over the world, which means that you would offend as many nations as possible by doing that. It is a pretty obvious target. And of course, historically as well, we know that the terrorists remember 9-11. They remember it from a positive standpoint, and they would gladly attack on that date. Like we saw with Benghazi, what was it, back in 2012? They did it back then on the same date on purpose because it was pointing back to the original 9-11 attacks. Yeah, I've, I've been in uh, Manhattan once, and uh, it was just packed. Uh, you know, Times Square is just wall-to-wall people. <laughs> and so if if something bad happens, uh, it would affect a lot of people. You be, you said you've been on the subway. I've been on a subway, like, in Chicago oh, okay. and a couple other places, but not up in New York. Not I'm New sure York. it's a very different experience there. Yeah, I've never taken it, so I'm, I'm ignorant when it comes to the subway. But I can imagine that uh, problems down there, would you know, you'd have – everybody's just trapped. I mean, they're there. Yeah. Even though this didn't end up being a major uh, incident – uh, it's still the you know people fleeing, trying to get away, trying to get out, uh, late for work, uh, having to send all the emergency vehicles and everything down there. I mean, even a botched attempt with the low tech device, how much does that cost? It'd be interesting to see what the dollar cost is for what the person did. Right. Because once you factor in all of those things, uh, that's a very expensive uh, hindrance to people's day. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, it is. Obviously, that's a pretty stressful way to travel anyway. I mean, it's very dark down there. It's dirty. It's crowded. You come across really some insane people on on those subways, uh, whether they're preaching about the (laughs) the end time or they're trying to sell you some sort of like 
pills that they have in their their coat i mean literally those are things that i saw on the subway just in the short experience that i had with it Uh, so people are already on edge there but then when you have people coming down there to maybe even carry out a terrorist attack that makes people even more on edge it's a scary way to live when you if you're walking past people and you're thinking you know i don't know what this person could do or not do if you get into that state of mind it's pretty pretty unnerving here is an interesting uh, note. They uh, they say more Americans are becoming politically independent. There are now more Americans who consider themselves independents with no leanings toward either party, 14%, compared with 10% a year ago, or do not have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> or they don't want to share their opinion, I guess. That's a Gallup poll, and they've found that the, Re- the Republican uh, Party has lost about 5% of its support while the Democrats have held steady. I guess the difference would be that people have gone independent. Yeah, and I I really don't think that people uh, now of all times have just decided to not care about politics. I mean, people who never paid attention their whole lives are now paying attention. But isn't there more persecution if you come out in support of the president or if you come out in support of the Republicans? I mean, what you're framed as um, a killer because of trying to take away Obamacare. You're framed as uh, trying to take away people's welfare benefits because of a new tax plan there's obviously a lot of persecution for being a republican so those people are saying they're independent just to avoid um avoid that persecution it's probably the case i think they surveyed about fourteen thousand people and uh, uh you know i mean everybody knows that if you were to say that you were a republican uh, or you supported the president there would be a lot of persecution from People. Uh, there was even a story today about how some students at one particular college aren't allowed in the cafe there locally because they were wearing "Make America Great Again" hats. It violated their safe space. <laughs> you know, which you, you just have to stop and think. Well, how can that be, though? I mean, if you if they're causing problems, now that's one thing. But if they're just wearing a hat, I've seen plenty of hats and plenty of shirts with slogans that are not appropriate, yeah. not related to politics, but just bad <laughs> things. And that's fine, apparently. Uh, or, you know, the way people dress or don't dress in some cases. But, uh, you know, but boy, when it gets to be political, uh, there's there's a, a real persecution against the current president, for sure. Yeah, there really is. I mean, that's that's where you see all the true bigotry is against uh, anyone wearing a Make America Great Again hat. They get beat up and assaulted all the time. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable that that's not covered more. I mean, people are not safe if they wear anything that says that they support President Trump. Uh, that's the trend, though. The left has encouraged violence against anyone considered to be possibly a Nazi. And who does the media describe as Nazis? Basically, all Trump supporters. Well, and also the the highest percentage of people that have that are no longer saying they're Republican anyway are uh, women. Mm. And so that's uh, probably uh, has a lot to do with all the sexual assault uh Comments and things that are coming out, I'm not sure, but that would be a guess. And so, uh, but there's a lot of uh, interesting write-ups about people saying, you know, that, that seems to be a political movement as well, to uh, to get uh, more people on the uh, the Democratic side, I guess. So, as if as if the Democrats are some bastion of women lovers with all the scandals they've had. Yeah, well, they're purging, purging the ranks. <laughs> of course, of course. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, the Gallup likes to take a look at those numbers um, and find out what people think. But you know, those polls too are they're always. I don't know. You don't know how accurate they are because remember all the polling before the last election? You know, people won't admit sometimes to what they really think because they're, they're afraid of persecution, like you said. But um, And I think probably people saying, look, uh, I'm independent, just gets everybody off their back. 
right? Well, I'll, I don't know. I'll make up my own mind. There's no opinion. That would be the easy way out to not get into an argument with somebody. Yeah, I've even seen stories where, um, like, in that Alabama Senate race, uh, Doug Jones, who's the Democratic candidate to take that seat, is he's putting out these ads that's saying, well, your whole community is going to know if you vote for Roy Moore, uh, who we believe is a child molester. That's what they. That's how they're framing it. And yet the facts are you don't know who voted for whom because that information is not made public. A lot of people, though, are being made to believe that their votes are going to be, be made public. So, yes, dur- during those polls, a lot of them are going to skew pretty far toward the Democratic side and away from the Republican side. But what that means is probably the results are going to be a lot more toward the Republican side. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. That election's coming up here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, California fire update. Firefighters are struggling to contain the biggest of six blazes burning in Southern California, with the Thomas fire slipping from 15% containment to 10% Sunday. Covering 230,000 acres, the Thomas Fire is now the fifth largest blaze in modern California history. The fires are collectively burning an area larger than New York City and Boston combined. Gusty winds and no rain on the way. Wow, just really, really scary to, to see that it just keeps getting worse over there. I My wife told me that some of the uh, celebrities' homes are getting burned, yep. which obviously that's that's a terrible situation too, but it just shows you no one's really insulated from what's happening yeah major issue out there so uh a lot of people have uh, friends and family in those areas so obviously uh, some concern there and uh, i think it was on saturday i saw a headline where the governor of california said well it's climate change Ugh. that's causing this and of course that's sort of the the uh <laughs> the drum beat that they have for those types of things but i also the same day there was a, a story about some of the the lack of morality there in the Hollywood studios. And, uh, boy, you know, connect the dots a little bit there. It's it, it, We're definitely not being blessed. You could say that pretty dogmatically. Uh, those parts of the country just aren't going to be blessed with the, those types of activities going on there. You know, it's on the same it's on the same news feed. You know, the fires and this, this terrible conduct going on. Don't you wish the governor would cite just one survey or study that is not backed by some sort of i don't know pro climate change group obviously the science behind that is very shaky and it's and we have seen that nearly every single one of those studies has has been skewed because they're getting paid to show that climate change is the the cause of these things that's not accurate at all and yet they just throw these things out there they do the same thing after a shooting where they advocate for gun control they'll even advocate for gun control about handguns when a handgun wasn't used in the latest attack so how does how does what they're saying actually relate to reality at all yeah there's a key david recently uh about uh, the climate change situation there and uh it really it's a great deception you can see that on the trumpet.com really important program and really what climate change does, that idea of that is it explains curses without explaining uh, or without, you know, pointing it back to sin and, and a God. It just says, well, yeah, bad things are happening, but what are you going to do? You know, it's climate change as opposed to um, maybe we should change our behaviors. Yeah, apparently whenever Mr. Flurry has talked about those types of topics, it's lit a fire within the scientific community on a lot of their message boards or in a lot of their comments uh, back to the to us from the program, they really get upset about it, and they obviously like to ridicule the idea that human behavior 
based on sin, not not on recycling or whatnot, is sure. what's causing it. They like to ridicule that, but they don't have any proof on their side. No, so it's a it's a really a bad situation out there in uh, California. So we'll just keep looking at that and seeing how that goes. But boy, uh, fifth biggest fire in modern history. So I'm not sure what modern history is for them, but uh, <laughs> modern modern history probably. I imagine it go back a ways. Uh, here's uh, an interesting one. It might be something to think about personally for yourself or if you have a family. This is uh, from fastcompany.com. Former Facebook executive says social media is ripping apart society. I think this guy's spoken out before a little bit. Facebook's former vice president for user growth recently gave a talk at the Stanford Graduate School of Business that'll probably make you think twice, I say, about your social media use. The entire talk is well worth a watch, they say, but uh, some of the most prominent remarks include the fact that he said um, he feels tremendous guilt about Facebook. He said, I think we have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. He said, the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops we've created, including hearts, likes, and thumbs up, various social media channels, or thumbs down if they don't like you, (laughs) are destroying how society works, he added. There's no civil discourse, no cooperation, only misinformation, mistruth, and it's not an American problem. This is not about Russian ads. Uh, This is a global problem, he said. So uh, he helped create the monster, and now he says, stay away from the monster. Well, think about the main attitudes that are caused by social media i mean you would you would have to name envy jealousy a lot of time hatred because of people saying opinions that you violently disagree with or vehemently disagree with you don't usually think of like peace harmony coming together making friends through social media it's more of a way to tell your most controversial opinions and try to gain attention they should have called it brag book right vanity book yeah jealousy book Regarding an incident in which uh, seven innocent men in India were lynched after a hoax about kidnapping spread through WhatsApp, that's what we're dealing with, he said. And imagine taking that to the extreme, where bad actors can now manipulate large swaths of people to do anything you want. It's just a really, really bad state of affairs. So he sees the seeds of something that could be bad, the social media, the mob mentality to where something is said, it's put out there, it's not true, but how do you stop it once the information takes off? Uh, it's it's a really interesting question. I think he's in a good position to um, to think about these things and explain the way he feels about it. And, and think about how every person now has a platform that used to be reserved only for the most famous and successful in our society. We can all go on Twitter and in a matter of seconds put out a put out an opinion that could potentially be seen by many millions of people if it's picked up by someone famous and they retweet it or something like that it doesn't necessarily encourage us to take a moment and think about what we are uh what our beliefs are try to evaluate our emotions to make sure that we're not just having a, a ra- an irrational response it's just Oh, this happened. Seconds later, you send out some fiery message that everyone can see. Yeah, it's interesting how things have man really, really changed. Of course, um, but I, I was I've been reading this a book on Lincoln. I know I'm a slow reader, and it's a big book because I mentioned <laughs> this over the course of a few weeks. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's just going through some of Abraham Lincoln's history, and when he was debating uh, Douglas about uh, slavery, really, it was a few other issues, but that was mainly the issue. 
uh, Douglas would speak for like two hours, and and President Lincoln, not president at the time, but uh, he would give a three-hour <laughs> speech saying what he thought, and then Douglas would get an hour rebuttal to get ideas out there to people. And now we're tweeting in how many characters, or we're putting something up and it's spreading. So you can see how quickly things spread without the thought, the explanation, all the things that used to go into it, at least a little more, now it's just opinion and it's gone. It's out to the world. And, and really all these issues that we're arguing about on social media are far too nuanced to, to cover in a sentence or two. So what's the natural response to that? You just have to use snark and sarcasm and biting language, and you mainly have to resort to ridiculing your opposition. You don't just civilly uh, bounce ideas off each other. It's a matter of you have to win in as few characters as possible. Unsurprisingly, when it comes to social media, this uh, former Facebook executive said, uh, my children don't use that. He said it a little more uh, uh, drastically than I did, but basically said they're not allowed to use it. (laughs) So anyway, I mean, you know, it's just an interesting opinion, something to think about. Um, But, you know, sometimes there's pressure if somebody says, well, yeah, I don't really use Facebook or I don't use this or that. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm just saying some people choose not to. And, um, you know, it's easy for people to say, what? get with the modern age what's the matter with you you could always say well hey look the guy that helped invent it or work highly in it anyway he doesn't use it so <laughs> don't pressure me about it well yeah social media is where that me too movement came from and we saw how so many people were jumping on that bandwagon i remember the bring back our girls movement where oh, yeah. they were trying to I guess convince Boko Haram to <laughs> to release these these kidnapped young girls by tweeting out a hashtag. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't have the impact that people think it does. It's never even whenever I search Twitter for something, I never come away from it edified. Like one time I went to do that and I saw a hashtag that said stop white people, and of course people have all their outrageous opinions about that as well. You never come away from Twitter or any of these other outlets feeling edified. Right, very rarely does it have a positive impact, or does it does it actually do some real world good? Sometimes it does. Uh, there, there, are, there would be examples of that, I'm sure, but in many cases, it's like you said, it just it's negative, and it's uh, uh, just gets to be a problem. And then you get you get into the situation with, and we see this in the news all the time: younger people that get that are getting bullied at school or somewhere, and then it follows them online. And, you know, you can't, it's hard to get away from that. So, uh, anyway, pretty interesting uh, to think about there. I think this guy has spoken out before. I've heard something about it. But this is uh, from fastcompany.com. Former Facebook executive says social media is ripping apart society. So, something to think about there. Uh, Thetrumpet.com today. Top story is Vladimir Putin, authoritarian trailblazer by Jeremiah Jacques. Vladimir Putin is the original strongman of the modern era, 17 years after he became Russia's president. His popularity is soaring, his grip on power is tighter than ever, and there's no indication he has any plans to relinquish control. So uh, he's, uh, he's, he's an interesting character because I think everybody kind of universally understands he's, not a, he's a bad dude, <laughs> if I can put it in that way. But at the same time, he, people do sort of respect him. Uh, it seems anyway, like they uh, maybe fear him or something. He definitely uh, is an authoritarian. It does seem like a lot of his own people admire him to some extent and it does and it also seems like he has a pretty high approval rating uh, considering how long he's been in office usually people don't last that long where the people are still happy with the leader's performance 
he is certainly leading a nation that is one of the most powerful in the entire world. And historically, we've seen that the Russians will endure tremendous personal suffering as long as their nation is seen as a formidable or, uh, I guess, a valued power on the world stage. He has definitely increased their power. I mean, if you think about the well, the Soviet Union collapsed. Then you had you had uh, you know Boris Yeltsin in there for a while, and he was sort of a cartoon in a way. I mean, they they kind of mocked him a bit and so forth. And then you know eventually here you have Putin come along, and then uh, I guess Medvedev was in there for a while. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vladimir Putin came back on the scene. So uh, they definitely are taken more seriously on the world stage uh, since he's been at the helm. Yeah, Boris Yeltsin wasn't he kind of known for maybe drinking a little bit too much at public events? Yeah, he uh, he had <laughs> just being a little bit too jovial. <laughs> he had this infamous moment of I think he appeared intoxicated and he was dancing, <laughs> and I think they called him like the dancing bear or something like that. It just it just didn't have that fear factor right. that like like some <laughs> Russian leaders have had over the years. So, um, but uh, this one, Mr. Putin, obviously is much more uh, taken much more seriously, and if he wasn't. Uh, well, he kind of has a way of, well, well, I'll say it this way. People have a way of not being around anymore mm. if uh, they kind of uh, cross him in the wrong way. Yeah, it's like they don't even exist if they disagree with him. There's there's no one who disagrees with him for very long, at least. It's like when uh, <laughs> Hitler came into power and he was, he you know, he came in and, and he had a, his turn as a, a chancellor because they were kind of rotating it at the time. There was no consensus on who would lead and so uh, he was in there for a little bit, and then uh, he just got rid of all of his enemies, and then said, "Why don't we have another vote?" <laughs> and, and lo and behold, he was he was voted in because he got rid of everybody that wouldn't <laughs> vote. So I mean, it's he it's, ran unopposed. <laughs> yeah, it's the age-old playbook for authoritarian rulers: you just do away with anyone that disagrees with you, and lo and behold, everybody's happy. Yeah, that that is incredible how uh, th- that happens in a lot of nations where you. You usually had an election, but then all of a sudden, one man can overthrow the entire system. That's why the founding fathers in America had to be so careful with the way they constructed the government system here, where hopefully one man couldn't do something like that, couldn't seize power like that. And we've seen uh, the last couple of presidents have been more authoritative than we're used to, but it hasn't gotten anywhere close to a dictatorship just because of the, the system that was put in place. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch the the different, like I said, the U.S. democracy, if you want to call it that, and and say Russia. You know, you have an authoritarian leader there in Russia who's who's consolidating power, and they're moving ahead with his goals anyway. And if people don't like it, and well, they're they're getting squished. But then here in the U.S., we just have more and more division. More, you know, the media is against the current president, and so it's this constant division that's going on, and we're fracturing apart at the seams here in the U.S. Not to say that the other one's a better situation, but um, you know, with those authoritarian leaders, they um, they they get things done anyway, and I don't know, there might be some appeal to that. Yeah, Barack Obama, he was known for uh, criticizing the U.S. system, or at least the way that the Constitution had set it up, because. Uh, things didn't get done very quickly. There was a lot of gridlock. That was intentionally put that way where you'd have branches of government offsetting each other and canceling each other out in a lot of these situations. It was so that it would take a really, really long time for any changes to happen. It would have to be done the right way. The people would have to know all about it. It would be a very public change that the people were in favor of. Yeah, it's the way it's supposed to go, but we see less and less transparency. 
uh, as, as we go, whether it be the media or politicians or anything else. Uh, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today talks a little bit about that with your host, Stephen Fleury. Talk a little bit about television. And uh, President Trump was, uh, they had a write-up about him in the New York Times talking about uh, how he uh, watches TV eight hours a day and all of his <laughs> TV watching habits. And then uh, Mr. Fleury harkens back to uh, another piece that the New York Times wrote a few years ago about President Obama. I mean, they were kind of, uh, praising his TV viewing, like, oh, look at these shows he watches. So kind of a strange strange thing to do, but President Trump says uh, the New York Times piece was ridiculous, <laughs> called it a false story, claiming he watches up, it claimed he watched up to eight hours of television a day. I mean, come on. I don't know what he does or doesn't do, but I mean, I, I doubt he has eight, who has eight hours to watch TV? Uh, uh. While taking yet another swipe at CNN and MSNBC, he said, another, he tweeted this, uh, another false story, this time at the failing New York Times, he said, <laughs> that I watch four to eight hours of television a day. Wrong. Also, I seldom have ever watched CNN or MSNBC, <laughs> both of which I consider fake news. I never watched Don Lemon, who I once called the dumbest man on television. Bad reporting. That's, that's the president's tweet this morning, so they're going back and forth. <laughs> Well, that's crazy because Barack Obama seemed up to date with all of the latest pop culture references. Obviously, he had to have been in tune with the latest TV programs and the latest social trends to be able to uh, drop them so casually in public like he always did. But President Trump seems like if he is watching a lot of TV, he's watching every single news program on television. I would much prefer our leader doing that watching the news than whatever other programs you, you have to watch to to be able to know to drop the mic at the end of a at the end of a speech or whatever else right. Barack Obama was doing yeah the the of course now the 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 media really is saying well there's all these bad things going on in this administration they're terrible and all this and with the Obama administration it was kind of uh hey isn't he cool what a cool guy. <laughs> As if that has anything to do with the capability to lead a, a nation. Hey, really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like if someone's obsessed with television, they would not be going on a Friday night to a, a, a rally in Florida. Couldn't he have easily stayed home and watched TV the entire evening? But he was just at a rally in Florida. Obviously, he has a lot of better things to do than watch TV all the time. It just seems like another smear attempt from the New York Times. Yeah, silly story. Uh, on Sunday, uh, the president also called the, uh, the fake news media out of control. He wrote major lies written, then forced to be withdrawn after they are exposed a stain on America and that those comments came after a Washington Post reporter tweeted a misleading photo about the crowd size at Friday's rally in Florida, as you mentioned. It's a now-deleted tweet, but it's it, it showed a half-empty arena to mock President Trump for saying the rally was, quote, packed to the rafters, but the picture was before he even started speaking. And then when he started speaking, it actually filled up. And so and the, the reporter admitted it, like, oh, yeah, and he deleted the tweet. And then there was this other story, CNN, I guess, on Friday, had this huge story about uh, WikiLeaks and all this stuff. And it turned out their report was completely false. And uh, a lot of details here you can look into if you don't know what that's about. But anyway, the, the media is just uh, exposing themselves for obviously having an agenda, but but they're just getting so in front of themselves, in front of their skis, as they say, <laughs> that uh, uh, they're getting caught constantly just fabricating things or... I don't know if it's intentional fabrication or they're just not careful with the reporting, but it doesn't look good. Very divisive. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone recently, and we were just marveling at how President Trump has 
seemingly administered a truth serum to everyone in the entire country. I mean, people who never talked about politics are now outing themselves with the with their radical ideas. The media has now f- gone in a full blown. Uh, they're now going all out to attack the president. We all knew they were leaning left in the first place, but the way he has called them fake news, he has really shown that they have a tremendous bias there. It's like everyone has an opinion now. Everyone is speaking out, and a lot of these people are just exposing themselves for their own ignorance because of their reactions to the president. Yeah, it's really uh, really divisive. It's amazing. And, and, and media is always, I mean, media is owned, right? I mean, a, a TV station is owned or a paper is owned, and so that's not unusual, and they do have leanings. And hearkening back again to the time period of Abraham Lincoln, you know, he would be debating Douglas in these speeches. And it depends on what paper you read. The papers that supported Douglas said, ah, he's the winner, destroyed Lincoln, you know, and all this. And then the other papers would say, ah, no, Lincoln destroyed Douglas. So it goes back and forth. So it's not unusual, but you look what happened shortly after that, Civil War. Mm. So there might be something to think about there historically. Yeah, and that does that does have to inform how we get our news today. Because of the bias of so many sources, you almost have to just get the transcript of a speech, not rely on someone else to give their opinion of it, but read the whole thing or watch the entire thing unedited and form your opinion that way instead of trying to trust that a news source is going to tell you the truth every time. Which, by the way, though, the trumpet.com will tell you the truth and it'll give you a biblical perspective. That's, that's I guess, our bias, if you could call it that. It's from the Bible, which no other source is doing. Yeah, it's it, that's what it's going back to is the foundation. So that's where you're going to get the uh, the information there from the uh, trumpet.com. Uh, so that's the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today talking about uh, that story there in the New York Times about television and, of course, a few other uh, things tying in there as well. Doesn't most of the country watch four to eight <laughs> hours of TV every day? I mean, binge-watching television shows is glamorized. You couldn't even name one show that the president likes besides Fox and Friends. I mean, it's just like... Where is he going to the extreme of watching all these TV programs? Yeah, it's they're just they're, they're looking for things to make issues out of. So it's uh, and, and it's it's working. Uh, even the example of that fake CNN story that went around, um, it still was retweeted a bunch of times. And how many people went back to actually look and see that it wasn't true? Probably most didn't. So they probably get what they want. They can come back and say, "Ah, our bad, our mistake," but that false information is already out there. There was a story months ago that had probably like 15 or 20 specific examples of where the media put out something blatantly false. It showed that same story being shared tens of thousands of times. And then the media will retract what they said. They will say, Oh look, everything here was false. The, the retraction, the correction to their original story gets shared maybe 100 or 200 times. So people know all about the fake story, but they don't read the correction part of it. That's, that just shows you that their strategy is working. They want you to think negatively about the president and his administration. They're obviously spreading around stories that are false. Most people are reading those, and they're not reading it when it's finally corrected. Yeah, really a, a, a misinformation uh, age in a lot of ways. Uh, that's all the time we have for today here on Trumpet Radio Live on this uh, Monday edition. Make sure you listen for the Key of David program and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. That's all coming up here in just a bit, along with uh, just the best literature today. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.
listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.